Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we get to hear from George McRae. George is the man behind this song right here, Rock Your Baby, one of the biggest songs in the history of recorded music. Number one hit, 1975. I read that it sold 11 million copies. He corrects me. It's actually more than that. It was written and produced by the great Harry Wayne Casey of Casey and the Sunshine Band, former guest of ours. At the time, George and his wife Gwen were singing backup around Miami on a lot of different songs and recording uh, assignments, and he was managing Gwen's career. Harry writes this song. He feels like it's too high for his register. He says, well, George is here. Let's see if George will do it. And he did, and it exploded, changed everything. I think people forget how crucial Harry was to the 70s, to the music of the 70s. You think about somebody like Max Martin or Mark Ronson, or even someone like Holly Knight, who has this Midas touch, is able to capture a generation and write music that speaks to those people. I think we forget that Harry Wayne Casey in the 70s was one of those people. He practically owned that decade. Well, unfortunately, as is often the case, George carried on in music, but he could never replicate that kind of success. And he's very open and honest in here about some of the struggles that he had, having to have regular jobs, you know? Can you imagine singing one of the biggest songs in history and then having to go get a regular job? Uh, he also, along the way, and he talks about it in here, sang backup on a, on a Bill Wyman record, Bill Wyman from the Stones. Anyway, eventually he moves to the Netherlands because disco is still really hot over there. And he's still there now. He put out a new album and I think it was 2015, called Love. He put out a new single recently called Twister Love. I, as you guys know, speaking of love, I love disco music. I love 70s R&B, funk, disco. It just makes me so happy. And I love every song that gets featured in this episode. And I'm so grateful that he got to tell us his story. Anyway, I wanted to share it with you. It's a really fascinating story. I hope you guys like this. He called me from his home, as I said, in the Netherlands. Well, George, uh, as I mentioned, I've been wanting to speak with you for years, and this is really exciting for me. I think you have one of the most fascinating stories ever. Let's kick it off, though, with hearing. I want to hear the story that I'm sure you've told a million times because it was a total fluke that you were chosen to sing Rock Your, Rock Your Baby how did this happen? Tell me the story. Oh, the story was uh, uh, my ex-wife Gwen McRae uh, just finished an album, uh, which she recorded it with us with our producer Steve Alamo, and we went to the studio to give a listen to the album that she did. And while we were there, uh, Rick Finch of uh, Case and Sunshine Band, but which there wasn't Case and the Sunshine Band at the time. Oh, it was Case C and the Junk New Band. And, uh, and back in 1973, uh, Betty Wright, Gwen McCray, and myself did the background vocals on one of their songs that they recorded. It was called Queen of Clubs. Yeah. 
they released it, and it made some noise in the States, but it was a uh, uh, big, uh, big noise over here in Europe. That's where I'm from right now. That's where yeah. I'm now in Europe. And, and uh, Timmy Thomas had just recorded his next uh, song for his uh, second release, and um, he left this organ up there in the studio. And so Rick Finch and Casey went upstairs, and because they worked in the warehouse at the time, they went there, and they started fooling around with the uh, organ. And uh, Rick was a, a little genius, you know, at this time. I mean, these boys was only um, Rick was seventeen years old, and Casey was twenty. Oh my gosh, years old. <laughs> wow. And Rick came to me and said, "George, uh, we could have song last night in the up, up, upstairs there, and." Um, Casey tried to sing, but it was too high for his voice. And uh, what you did on Queen of Club, you know, with your, with your high vocals, you know, with you know, with uh, uh, when you recorded Queen of Club with us, we liked the way you sang and uh, all your other songs that you did for TK Records. You know, I did some uh, new songs before, You're right? But it was a TK Records also production then. And so uh, I said, hey, let me hear this, hear the track. So I heard the track and I said, wow, man, this is so, this is different. I said, ooh, See, we want you to sing because I know you can do it. You can do it. I said, okay, I'll give me the tracks. And um, I get permission from uh, Steve Alamo, who was the executive producer of all the production for the studios. Okay. So I went to Steve Alamo and asked Steve Alamo that Casey and Rick had did this track, and they want me to sing it. And I said, I've done you a lot of favors because of Gwen, so uh, you should let me do this track because I haven't recorded in about two years myself. <laughs> so he said, sure, Joe, let's do it. Just like that. I said, no okay, way. so I went back to the case. Hey, we can do it. We got permission. So Rick gave me the cassette. I went home with it, listened to it. I asked my mother and my sisters and her girlfriends, how do you like a man to sing to you? Really? And they all told me the same answer. Very romantic, soft, gentle, you know, not all the screaming and hollering. I said, well, shoot, that's me. <laughs> and so I thought, hey, my favorite artist at the time, he, my idol was Sam Cooke. Yeah. And my second favorite out of the time was uh, Smoker Robinson, The Miracles. Yes, sir. And I used to do a lot of the cover songs in my, you know, even doing the uh, top 40 in, in uh, clubs, because I used to sing, like, do a lot of club singing, too, with the band and all. So those are songs, I guess, I, I said, okay, I'm going to put my little, my little feel to it, and I'm going to record like a baby. And I, <laughs> I put Sam Cooke in mine, I put uh, Smoker Robinson in mine. And wow. um, I went there back to the studio one week time, and recorded it in one take really yes that was one take all in one take oh my god and uh when i did uh and my went to ah take me on the rock me ah take me on the uh -huh. rock me ah take me on the rock i did that three times so rick said george that last hour you did and saw i'm gonna roll the uh, roll the reel back i'm gonna punch you in and uh i want you to hold that last ah i said okay no problem <laughs> So I went, okay, one more time. Went on and write me. Take me on the right. Oh, take me on. Then the third one came, I go, I went, ah. Oh, Charles, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> wow. And that was it. That was it. And yeah, every, and my whole album, the albums I did with Casey and Finch, they was all done on one take. I never sang no, no, uh, no, no, two times. That's crazy. And yeah. I mean, we'll dig into how that 
affected your life and changed culture and everything in a second. But I mean, were you intending at the time to, it, it sounds like you were a background singer, but I th I've always had the impression that your primary focus was on managing your wife, Gwen, not so yeah, much. But so I were you, managed, I, yeah, were you pursuing your own solo career at the same time or was that yeah, just was, a accident? No, what happened was I was uh, actually, when we first uh, signed our contract, we signed it as a duo team, Gwen mm -hmm. McCray and George McCray. We started a duo team, so we did a couple of songs uh, with uh, the company production, produced by uh, Brad Shapiro and Steve Lamo, um, Three Hearts and a Tangle, and one of these days, uh, Marvin Gaye to a couple of songs that we did. Three Hearts and a Tangle was a song by, by uh, I think, Bobby Blue Bland. Yeah. There was a plan, eventually, for you to strike out on your own and become a solo singer and pursue yes, your I did. I did solo. I did a couple solo songs too. Okay. A song called uh, Back Dude. I know I should say goodbye for the tears you made me cry but before I stood from you I gotta collect some back That's okay. So do you? So within a week, I take it off. Another song called oh, "Take It Off." Take, take it, it all off. That's a great one. Okay. Take it off. And I beg and pleaded with you to put this other guy down. Now I'm tired of all these heartaches and miseries, so I just decided it's out of him or me. Full time fooling, only your part time. 
kick at all, though. That's done by Clarence Reed. So I did a couple, nice. couple of uh, uh, cover songs then. But what happened was at the time, then the R at that time the R and B market it was all doing basically all female, uh, female artists. You know, Rita Franklin was out there and Gladys Knight and you know and Donna Ross and the Supremes and you know mostly it was, it was being dominated at the time by you know was was uh, female vocals. Right. Uh, Dorothy Moore, you name them, you know, R&B. So uh, Stephen Lehman wanted to uh, take Gwen and put Gwen, you know, on that, you know, as a solo artist. So I stepped back and said, okay, take Gwen, you know, we call, we call it Gwen, you know, and let her do her thing. Yeah, yeah. Because she had a, she had a uh, hell of a, at the time she had a hell of a voice. Right. But unfortunately, uh, she had a, a stroke oh, a few really? years ago. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, yeah. man. That's terrible. Okay, so now, had, if you hadn't recorded this song, what do you think would have happened to you? Would you were you going to be putting out your own album eventually on TK Records, or? Oh yeah, I was. I was actually concentrating on Gwen then. I said, well, uh, well, you know, oh, I'm gonna stop back there because uh, maybe, you know, I wasn't meant to record at all. You know, so uh, yeah. maybe just uh, I would never get a hit. So I just said, oh, okay, I just. Step back, concentrate on Gwen, let her do all do her thing, and I started, you know, managing her, and uh, I got an eight to five job and started working, you know, and because I had rent to pay and sure. you know bills to pay, so uh, I did everything I could. Plus, I was singing on on the weekends in clubs. Ah, around Miami. Yep, around Miami, West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, the whole Gold Coast there. So, uh, okay, it was well known in, in the South Florida area, and all no, all over Florida actually. Yeah. Okay, um, what yeah, was your what was your day job? I'm always curious my day about job. Oh man, I done some a lot of things. I was used to be a a, a, a doorman. Uh huh. That's it's called a lockabana uh, condominium. I was a doorman there. I was a uh, worked in the, uh, a waiter restaurant. Okay. At the waiter, you know. Yeah. should wash dishes. Just whatever it took, right? Whatever it took, and also I use. Also, I was going to university too. You were, yeah, because I, I uh, before you know when I got out of U.S. United States Navy, I was a Vietnam veteran. I was I spent four years in, in okay. the Navy. Wow. Uh, first, I went up. I was eighteen years old, and when I I spent four years there and uh, another two years in the reserve. But uh, after that, um, we started singing as a duo, Gwen and I, and uh, and when that happened, uh, we was doing quite well as a duo team uh, all over South Florida and. Pensacola, all over Jacksonville, we sung all over Florida. Okay, okay. okay. Then uh, we uh, then uh, Gwen was start recording her stuff. So I say, okay, I'll fall back, let her do her thing, and that's where it all happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was doing so I was doing a lot of uh, background vocals for all for everybody there. Yeah, you sang and, on uh, a uh, yeah. Bill Wyman solo album, right? Yes, that was me, Billy Randy, Gwen McRae. To have a good time. Drinking all night and blowing my mind I'd like to get me a gun Dresser in my hometown 
it was a happy time, but a very frightening time for me. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> I'll tell you. That was going to be my so, question. So tell me what the best part about all of that is, and tell me what the worst part about all of that is. The best part of me performing it on stage okay, and on tour, and you know, one of the best part I did, I really enjoyed touring with James Brown. Yeah. First tour. And then the second tour I went out was with the Jacksons. You did? No way. Yes. Oh, wow. But my best part was when with James Brown, I played Madison Square Garden. Oh, my and, gosh. And most artists don't go. You know, most artists would go to the Apollo Theater first, you know? Yeah. But I never played the Apollo. <laughs> Here I am, wind up playing Madison Square Garden. Straight to the top. <laughs> yeah, straight to the top, you know? And I met so yeah. many pop artists, you know, in my life, you know? So unbelievable. I ran into them all, you know? And they all had, like, they all had respect for me. Like, George, you are... Uh, you the man. You changed. You like. You changed the whole history of music or something. I say. I'm thinking. I did. Yeah. Oh. You know. We started disco. You know. This, yeah. You know, yeah. This. That was the first one. The first dance. The dance record. Yeah. Yeah. You the pioneer. I said, man. And I and I start realizing that it was true. Yeah, it was. So yeah. what's the worst part then about all of this? I mean, it's what a whirlwind. Your life changes forever in that moment. Oh, the worst part of what I went, you know, you know, I got a divorce yeah. from Gwen, you know, I probably went, went with her. Then I, I got a divorce from her. And then, you know, I had uh, bad management, got ripped off. You know, you know the yeah. story, you know, in yeah. the business. But you had to you back up and regroup. I'm a survivor, you know, you learn from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I went to school to find not. So, so when, uh, so who, you know, where did the new songs come from? I mean, the I got to be honest, the, I really like your those first two albums. Well, I like all your albums, but those first two that I'm thinking of, the, a lot of the songs sound on the on those albums like slight variations on "Rock Your Baby." You know what I mean? Similar kind yeah, of groove, both. similar kind of vibe. Maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But yeah, that uh, was intentional. That was that was uh. That's that that's that's the uh the sound we had then. That was the Miami sound of time. And point. everybody who who played instruments, everybody believe uh actually the whole album Rock Your Baby, it was only uh three musicians who played on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And one acoustic guitar player with Betty Rice brother played a guitar on, on one of on one of the songs there. But yeah. the three musicians that was on the whole album was Casey, Harwin Casey, Rick Finch, and Jerome Smith. Yeah. Now Jerome Smith, I read he got paid fifteen bucks to play guitar on "Rock Your Baby," right? Yep. And was he on the track when you sang, or was that something that was added later? That was added. No, that there was all these tracks was recorded. Um, after um, they cut the tracks, I just went in and put my vocals on them then. Okay. And they did the finishing top, but they did all the the, the instrumentals and the songs and everything. Yeah. And I walked in. Just to, uh, okay, what you got going on? So, but the only thing I regret about it too that you know I was I was ignorant at the time too, and a lot of the or, or the ad libs and and, I, and when I was singing, I I add to the song, but I had to get credit for it. I should have got right right yeah. credit for some of it too. But yeah, you know, that's where the ball rolls. Yeah. So let me ask you about that. I mean, uh, one of the things we touch on on the podcast here is sort of the business side of things, very sensitively. You didn't write that song, but it did go on to sell like 11 million copies. I mean, it's one of the biggest singles of all time. I'm guessing, even though you didn't write it, um, you have... They, there's look here, they, big... put, 
they put it on the book, eleven million, but it sold more than that. Really, really, yes. okay, okay. So have this you? This song was, this song was international, all over the whole world. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, you know, it was like at that time when Michael, like Michael Jackson was in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, yeah, eighty three, eighty four. Yeah, yeah, nineteen seventy four. This is how I was. But yeah. at the time when Michael, he had the internet, you know. Yeah. He right. reached, you know, things that changed was bigger. But at that time, it was um, unbelievable what Rocky Baby did. I, yeah. I went, I, I've been around the world like three times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you've always, I mean, I imagine the financial windfall of a situation like this. Even though you didn't write the song, because you sang it and performed it and have been able to have a career ever since because of it, has still been yeah. pretty decent or no? Were there lean times? Oh. After this, oh, cool. oh yep, some lean time because uh, when the when they did the um, the uh, the disco tragedy, I think it was in Chicago where they burned yeah, the disco yeah. was dead and the dance right. was dead. So, well, uh, my record company went under. Okay. And so I stopped getting um, uh, my royalties because uh, they went bankrupt and the catalog was sold to uh, a certain person. And I called a certain person about my royalties, and he told me, don't you call him anymore because you're not getting any royalties. So I said, well, uh, okay, I'm not going to call him anymore. And then next thing, it was uh, 10 years had passed. So at the time, I had moved to, uh, I was having problems then with a lot of things. So I'm, yeah. I I moved to Canada, and I moved to Canada. So I, I met those 10 years, I stayed in Canada, and I started working, you know, so I started working again. So you work, went back to like regular job work? Back to regular job, eight to five. Really? What did you do in Canada? I was a first a um, worked in hotel and housekeeping. No way. Yeah. George McRae, the things rock your baby. I, yeah, so I worked in hotel and housekeeping, and um, I was good at it. I believe it. And then after I had another job offer because I came from Florida, you know, and I was around. Uh, because they figured I was around fish. So I say, this, new, this market, they put a new, uh, making a fish section in uh, the store there. So I had a, a good friend. He, he was the um, supervisor who hired people. And then they got a new open job. So I said, yeah, he actually did. So I said, yeah, well, we want to be the system manager in this, in this, uh, in this, uh, in the shop. We opened the fish, it was a Safeway oh. supermarket, a chain of yeah. supermarkets all over. Right, and so I was in, I was in Winnipeg, Manitoba. No way. So uh, I got me. Uh, I said I take that job. You know, it's paying much better. So yeah. I went there. You know, and started selling fish over the counter and no cutting way. them up and serving them and giving people recipes that was good for that and what you should use for it. And sometimes I, would, I used to create my own recipe <laughs> and tell them. Really? <laughs> yeah. And they come out and say, that was the greatest food I've tasted, man. Tell me, you have another recipe? <laughs> no way. <laughs> wow. So was there, when was it, did, did it ever reverse and come back and royalties start coming back your way? Or do you primarily make a living performing? What do you do Oh, yeah. But, and, and then while I was there, I worked for like uh, two or three years in the, in the uh, Safeway. And then something told me because I then I they had the stone of TK Record, right? They they came back alive again, son of you records. Hmm. And so I'm trying to get I get him their call because 
I regardless of not him the stone, roughly him the stone. You know, he's one made my career. He he uh, made uh, um, uh, James Brown. Yeah. And he made um, uh, Ray Charles, uh, Bo Diddley. There's so many artists he and other groups that he worked with in, uh, in the past. I didn't know about you know until um, yeah. and I found out he won uh, um, when James Brown got his uh, big contract with Polydor Records. You know. Yeah. And the Stone was influential in uh, negotiating that contract for him. So that's why I put two and two together. I said, but Henry Stone knew James Brown all this time <laughs> when James called me to go on tour. Yeah. And I said, wow. That's wow. what it was. Okay. Well, anyway, so anyway, while I was at the supermarket, I didn't get a, I called Henry Stone. And he said, um, there's a, a promoter looking for you from out of Germany. I say uh, a gentleman by the name of Heinz Bachmann. Huh. He said, um, you should give him a call. And, and Henry Stone told me, he said, Joy, I think, you know, I think you should go to Europe. Yeah. He said, I think you should go to Europe, you know, because uh, your music is still uh, very popular over there and it's still doing great. Wow. So I gave Heinz Bachmann a call. He said, Would you like to go on a tour? I said, yeah, sure, but uh, yeah. how long? He said, uh-huh. for as long as you want. Really? For as long as you want. So just so, like that, you were able to quit with the like fish? Just like that. I, I, I told him, I'm coming. I told him what I wanted, you know, what I wanted to do. He said, no problem. We take care of you. Just come over here. And wow. I came over here and I never went back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you still live in the Netherlands, of all places. Yeah, I'm in the Netherlands, but I'm still a U.S. citizen, though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I won't, I won't never get my U.S. citizenship up, but, you know, I'm, right. I'm over in the Netherlands. And uh, I met um, uh, my new wife here. She's a Dutch girl. Yeah. And wow. she really, uh, you know, so we so really got together. So uh, How do you make a living today? Do you perform? I know, so you've put out, I should say, for listeners, a couple like months said, ago, you have a new single out, right? Twister Love. Just the love, yeah. That's uh released over here, yeah. It's okay. on, uh, that's a great tune. So, you, I mean, yes. George McRae is still putting out music, and uh, you put out the Love album, I think, in 2015. That's a lot of fun too. It harkens back yeah, 2016, to 2016, yeah. 2016. Sexy one was one of the hits off of that, yeah. Doing, yeah.
So do you perform a lot? What do you? How do you make your living today? That's why I'm over here. I told you before when I came back. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, okay. I'm, I'm performing a lot. I'm performing all over. I just came back from uh, Mallorca. Wow. Uh, there for yesterday. Getting ready to go to uh, Gabrici, Italy. They they gave me an uh, award there, Disco Diva Award. They want to give me an award for my achievements. Yeah, and uh, and uh, also have uh, um, I do German television. I'll be doing that uh, uh, next week. Wow, huh? And I have a lot of tour dates to do over still uh, all over yeah. Switzerland, Sweden, Europe, all over Europe. Jeez, so it's still it's still and some, remains and vibrant. And sometimes I do busy. come. Uh, sometimes I do come to uh, New York and uh, um, and Miami to perform too. Okay. Okay. Probably on like disco packages or something like that with other disco yeah. artists, right? Okay. Correct. That's amazing. Let me tell. Let's talk about. I want to talk about the like. And uh, I also, and I also collect my royalties now. My you royalties do. And Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's what I wondered about. Okay. Great. Um, I want to ask about some of the stuff that came out immediately after because it seemed like because of that success happening so quickly, there wasn't maybe a a machine in place to help you sustain a career. I mean, uh, you did have other, t like I Get Lifted is a great tune, and that did crack the top 40 in the U.S. Oh, yes. But, most uh, sample one. That's one of the most sample one of my songs out of hip-hop. That's generation. what I wondered. Yep. Okay, yes. Hey, everybody. I thought I'd break in here for a minute. It's been a long time since I've done one of these mid-sections. And uh, so I thought I'd get caught up on reading some people's very nice reviews. Well, luckily these reviews are all nice. You're welcome to send bad reviews on iTunes or Facebook if you want. Um, I'm going to start parsing through some of these since it's been so long. Let's read a few of them. This one is from Waylon Spawn. I don't know who Waylon Spawn is. Or maybe I do and I don't know them by that name. Five stars. It's an absolute godsend. <laughs> I love that. I too love this show. I felt like no one cared about the, let's say, more marginal musicians. I always loved, but wondered whatever happened to. So many great stories here that I've been chain listening for the last several weeks. John Lamoureux's unapologetic love for his idols, many of which are mine too, is extremely validating for music geeks like me. Please, please keep churning them out, John. You're not alone. I love hearing that because I got to be honest, I feel alone very often. So thank you, Waylon Spawn, for making me feel less alone and like there's some value to what we're doing here. Here's another one from Tony Lamar. I don't think I know Tony Lamar either. This is five stars. This was made for music geeks like me. I am always looking for honest conversations in this podcast era with musicians I grew up loving. This podcast is an absolute treasure. A jackpot of such information. And John shows his fandom by asking questions that fans would ask without sounding like something from the Chris Farley show. <laughs> I'm so excited to keep listening. Thank you, Tony Lamar. I uh, I try really hard not to fall into Chris Farley uh, you know, territory with these guys. Uh, Wisp Aline. Another one I don't think I know. I love this podcast, Five Stars. I'm a nerd of music, and these backstories excite me so much. Great guests and deep diving into the business. Keep up the excellent work. Thank you, Wispeline. Okay, let's do one more. 
This is Chad Stockwell. I think I know who Chad Stockwell is. I think that's the the nom de plume for Steve Cooper of Cooper Talk of the Cooper Talk podcast. John really gets insight from his guests about the music industry with great stories and the ups and downs of it. I'm a lover of music, so I appreciate his love and respect for it too. Uh, dig it, five stars. Chad Stockwell. Thank you, Chad Stockwell or Steve Cooper, if that is you. Anyway, thanks everybody. There's a few more. I'll save them for next time, but we could always do more. You know, I think I figured out what it is. I think if you if you search the hustle in iTunes, we're like the fourth podcast that pops up, fourth or fifth. And I think what happens is that if you get a lot of reviews, then you start, then maybe the second or the third or the fourth. Well, the first one that pops up is Ear Hustle, which is that great one about inmates at San Quentin. I don't think we're ever going to take that one over. They've got millions of listeners. But if we can get a few more reviews in there, we might be able to bump up to like, you know, second, third, something like that. Anyway, thanks everybody. I'll read some more next time. Also, I thought, you know, it's funny. When I used to do these midsections, I would break it down this way. I would read some new reviews. I would read off the names of everyone who shared our last episode, and then I would uh, give some stories of recent people who had rejected me, and then uh, I would read off some requests and what was going on with the requests. Well, I don't really take requests anymore because I'm so overloaded with all the stuff I already have going on. I sort of save those rejection stories for when we do recaps. I read the reviews periodically. And I stopped doing the shares because it felt like the same, you know, 12 to 25 people were sharing every episode. And I felt kind of dumb reading the same people. I hoped that that would, you know, reading off the reviews and the shares would garner more interest or more people. Ooh, I want to hear my name get read. So they share. But it didn't really work out that way. It was the same. I was sort of the same few people. So I stopped. Well, then as soon as I stopped, no one shares the episodes anymore. I mean, not no one. Good old Bill Elam and Jay Sabluski and uh, our good friend Annie Shaw shares our episodes all over Facebook or wherever with all the fan sites and everything. But uh, I probably should go back to reading the shares so that you guys will hear your name and then those same 12 to 25 people will feel, you know, invested to continue sharing. I probably blew it on that. Anyway, it felt weird and so I stopped and then it got even weirder when I did. Uh, also, I want to put in a plug. It's been a long time since I mentioned anything about our t-shirts. If you want one of our t-shirts, I hope that you will. I get asked a lot about, you know, are you ever going to set up a Patreon page or how can I support and I'd be open to doing so financially. Here's the deal. I think about the Patreon page a lot. My hesitation is that I don't have a lot of free stuff to give back to you guys. Sometimes I do, once in a great while, but I'm not like Pat Francis where I have, you know, weekly stacks of books and records and DVDs to give away. And so I feel like if I, if you contributed to Patreon, you would just be doing it out of the kindness of your heart, not because you were going to get anything out of it. And I felt like you should get something out of it. And so that's the reason I've never set up a Patreon, but I'm thinking maybe I would just because you guys are really great. And Maybe, I don't know, it feels weird. It really feels weird, I gotta tell you that. So, if you did want to support us financially or whatever, uh, uh, first of all, I mean, Yan and I would just be so humbled and grateful, but if you did, probably at this stage, the best way to do that is to buy a t-shirt, okay? So if you go into Amazon and you go to merch and you type in the Hustle Podcast merch or whatever it is, 
t-shirts and sweatshirts and pop sockets and those kinds of things are gonna pop up. If you want one of those, go ahead and buy one of those, please. I would, I would love that, okay? Also, I just wanted to mention, uh, I hope everyone is enjoying our deep dives. I, uh, I want to diversify these deep dives. We've been talking to a lot of fantastic people like uh, Marco Peroni and, and uh, um, Rupert Hine and Rod Nevison, more recent guests. I'm trying, as I did with Robert Tepper, to kind of go back a ways and just remind people that we have, you know, those first hundred episodes or so are great and there's wonderful people in them. I love Robert so much and that's one of my... I just loved, Bill Elam referred to Robert as effervescent on uh, f Facebook, and I thought, that's the perfect word. Robert was just a funny, fun-loving, great guy, and I was so honored to kind of talk about his new album and the deep dive the No Easy Way Out album. And so I want to get more diverse, and I hope you guys will support us as we do that. Obviously, the big names like Ron and Rupert, they get tons of downloads. But please, I hope you find those other ones interesting as well. I'm just trying to create the most interesting and kind of curious content I can for deep music nerdy lovers out there, you know? So anyway, thanks for everyone's support. Um, I'm going to, I want to try and, you know, diversify, get some of the people that maybe you forgot were even on the show to come back and talk about their stuff as well. Just go way back, recent, whatever it is. All right. Let's get back to George. I hope you guys are enjoying this. And I just once again, thanks everyone for listening. It's National Podcast Day or something like that today. And uh, we heard so many nice comments and tweets and Facebook posts and whatever. I, I just cannot express enough that Yan and I are so incredibly humbled by all of your support and your love and your encouragement and the fact that you listen. There are literally almost a million podcasts out there. And the fact that a few thousand of you guys listen to us is incredible. I am so grateful. So grateful, okay? Let's get back to George. Did the record labels, do you feel like, did they do right by you? Do you think that they, do you think that they did their best to help you, uh, you know, have a long career? Or was it sort of like one and done? No, I think they uh, helped me uh, because uh, my first, like, Rocket Baby album, the first uh, was internationally was uh, RCA Records. You know, okay. all over the world, uh -huh. except for a couple of places uh, in uh, South Africa and uh, the Netherlands and England. They licensed me uh, to uh, President Records in England, and uh, there was okay. another company, uh, Teal Records, okay. in the uh, Netherlands and also uh, South, uh, South Africa. Okay. But the rest was, uh, you know, was RCA, yeah. International. Okay. It just seems and like then, uh, the disco artists at that time uh, didn't... You know, they there were a lot of kind of one-hit wonders. There, it wasn't an artist-driven uh, scene or or um, genre. Vicky Sue Robinson, Andrea True, these people, they had one giant hit, but then it was hard probably to sustain careers around that one hit. You know, it was more a producers-driven medium. It seemed like at the yeah, time. but 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 then again, it's it's all there at the time. All what the artists wanted to do. True. Because, uh, because I had one big hit, yeah, but I uh, I stayed out there, you know. Uh, yeah, I yeah. went, you know, in uh, yeah. all the disco club. You know, at the time it was, not, you know, it was at that time it was not big, big club thing. It was all like clubs. Yeah, yeah. And you were performing in the club stand, the disco club. You know, it wasn't uh, five thousand people like it is today, or some place of ten thousand people. You know, and yeah. you know the DJs doing their thing now with with our music. 
Yeah. And actually, they're making the biggest money now. You know, they so, are. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's a whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a whole new game out there. Yeah. But my generation is only. Um, it was only rock, you know, and with big bands. Yeah. With rock and roll, you know, and the pop music, and then you had the disco club. So we we perform in our disco. So I used to just come over and go to Europe or go in any place and perform in. Uh, there's a small town. This small town got their own disco private clubs there, you know, with 200, 300 people. Yeah. 400 people, you know. Each village can have their own spot, you know. So you get booked in all these villages, you know. And That's wild. This way, you know. So yeah. I was I was like, uh, I would live in, uh, if Muhammad, if the mountain can't come to, my, to Muhammad, <laughs> Muhammad go to the mountain. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I go to them. Because, and that because I saw I saw them as my fans, all of my fans. Yeah. And it's like you know when you when you have a family, and they see your album, and they have your album in their homes, and they're dancing and being happy and listening to your music over and over, especially uh, the, the housewives. Yeah. You know, sure. and they're dancing to my music and everything, and they feel like I'm a part of the family. So when I go to them, they were so honored to meet me and so happy and they. Tell me the stories uh, about the reason why I did this song. I like, love your song. And you were the first song I was, George, and when I was a teenager, yeah. your your first song, I I had my first kiss with your song. <laughs> nice. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and I hear other stories, too. Man, we have to rock your baby, man. I would have, yo, you know, it's like you hear all your songs. They tell you the stories of... Uh, what made them so happy and brought joy to their life at that time. So it was like, uh, you know, wow, you know, it's like, hey, I brought love to their life. Yeah, yeah. Happiness. They say, and when I'm feeling bad, I just put Rock Baby on, man. And it's like, you know, when I, I put any of your song, I put your album on, and it's, it's uplifting, you know. It's always, yeah. um, and it's still a day. Yeah. And it's still a day. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about the Diamond Touch album. That came out in 76. Uh, you worked with Greg Diamond, who was the producer, actually, I believe, that did more Vicky yes. Robinson's more or uh, that did more, more, more. Um, was that sort of an attempt to broaden your I, I don't even know if disco was a term when you did Rock Your Baby originally. It w maybe that was a term that was sort of come up with later. But um, is it you know, you're working with the finest producers. You have a decent hit with Love in Motion off of the Diamond Touch album.
is it yeah. succeeding like you want it to or is it not how are you feeling at this time well i was i was in a whole different kind of mood then you know really it was more you know you know it was like studio 50 54 you know yeah. going on then and these are the guys who after a record baby everybody started doing uh you know disco yeah dance you know yep because of us, you know, we gave everybody life in, in music business. You know, about our new more create new more talent and yeah, yeah. creativity and and so um I was still signed with uh T K Records at the time and so uh, Casey and Rich uh, Rick Fisher and Casey uh, they became Casey and the Sunshine Band and so I was left without producers at the time because Casey started doing his own material so that was good too so um. I had a contract with TK Records, so I had to find another producer to uh, okay, okay, to, uh, to do another album. Cause I had I owed them another album. Yeah. So um, I hired Greg Diamond. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's a great album, by the way. Um, were you yeah. satisfied? Were you happy with how it did? Or you know, did it was it mostly successful in Europe, like everything else? Or oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't most successful in Europe. Also, uh, and the dance shot, they had another kind of chart too, the dance shot, but it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like, uh, my original stuff, Rocket Baby, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, that, and, the, and the George McCree first album. Was that so, difficult uh, for you when, when you're releasing new music and, I mean, you, out of the gate, you have one of the biggest songs in history. It's impossible to replicate that. But are you frustrated mm -hmm. at all as you are putting yeah, out your I'm singles? Yeah, I was a little frustrated because emotionally wise, I was going through a divorce. Yeah, and uh, I was they were chasing me because of uh, uh, child support, and uh, uh, I was going for you know so many you know so so many problems. Yeah, so I really couldn't really concentrate. You know what I wanted to do. You know in the album, so I just had to do what I had to do. Right. Right. You and uh, Gwen, but I, but I think it was—I think it was a great album because uh, the band oh, yeah. I used was, uh, and the band was my 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 own band then. Yeah, okay. That that that, that played on it. Yeah, you I and had my Gwen, own band going at that. You and Gwen put out an album, a a, a duet album together, slowly, uh, yeah, shortly after this, right? Yeah, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah, that's yeah. came right after. Uh, I think that was right yeah. after Diamond Touch. No, that was before Diamond Touch. Oh, was it? Okay, maybe I have yeah. my timeline wrong. I'm just Diamond Touch was 1976. Uh, uh, Jordan and Gwen together was 1975. Okay, okay. The internet uh, steered me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I released uh, two albums then, the Jordan and Gwen uh, album. Yeah. And also uh, the Jordan McCray album. That's with uh, Honey Eye and oh, yeah. uh, I Ain't Lying.
Yeah. It's been so long. Oh, I know. Those are great albums. Um, yeah. Were you and Gwen kind of on the verge of divorce when you created yeah, this album? Yeah, we were. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. I actually didn't want to do it. But I did it, I did it as a favor for, uh, for Steve Lamo. Huh. Wow. Okay. Well, there's some great stuff on there. Um, the Rub is maybe oh, yeah. my favorite George McRae song. I love The Rub. That's one of my favorites too. Yeah, that Ooh. sounds. I love it. It sounds like the body is all aches. It sounds all night. Yes. This is the time, baby, to turn down the light. Yes. Let's rub. Rub it up, down. Let's rub, baby. I love it. It sounds like it was made for a black exploitation movie at the time or something yeah. like that. You know, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. Song we already was one of the greatest writers at the time. His name was Clarence Reed. Okay. He wrote. Uh, he wrote a lot. He wrote a better write song. We hear Steve Better write sing a lot of songs. Clarence Reed wrote those for her and okay. many other songs. Clarence Reed wrote all the Graham McCray songs too, which yeah. she went to uh, back in the early days. Okay. Okay. So um, you tell me, tell me what the craziest your craziest memory is of that period. I mean, I don't know how long you f that wave of success lasted. Was it only a few months? Was it only a few weeks? Did you feel like it lasted a year or two? But what was the just the craziest, coolest part about it all? Well, the coolest part of me um, performing. Yeah. Uh, on stage, and uh, you're meeting um, a lot of artists. Like uh, when you go out, you know, who come to concert, you meet somebody. The coolest thing was like was on England, for instance, and I, uh, I was in this club. Um, I think it was called Annabelle's, and who walks in? Mick Jagger's. No way! Really? Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. Mick Jagger's, and another cool thing. Then uh, did you I talk to say, him or I'm, did you just see him? Yeah, I spoke to him. I told, I told, because I say uh, I had just finished doing the background vocals. I told him about Bill Wyman's album, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he said. Uh, he said, I think that was a big mistake, you know. I say, uh, I say, uh, you say, yeah, yeah, but uh, I think he, he made a big mistake. Really? That's what he told me. Uh huh. I said, okay. 
<laughs> doing a solo album was a big mistake or what? No, uh, going on his own, doing a okay. solo album. You yeah, know, because yeah. he had left the Rolling Stones. Yeah. But he didn't leave for good at that point. He came back, right? He didn't leave for good until the... What, no, the... at that time, he left for good. Oh, he did? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he left for good. Yeah, yeah that's why he said it. I think he made a big mistake when he did that. You know, oh. So. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And yeah. Another, another time, uh, I was in the hotel, uh, and uh, who was in my next room? Ringo Starr. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Next door. And I said, uh, oh, okay. And uh, they messed around and put put a wrong package in my room for Rango Star. That's crazy. I looked at it. I said, whoa, whoa, Rango Star. I said, shoot. So I rang the room with Rango Star, you know. So he came to my knock on the door. I said, oh, hey, man. He said, thank you, mate, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> so all he said, you know. Hey, don't tell me you thank you, mate. I said, but I said, shoot. I said, at the time, I should have kept that. <laughs> I should have kept that. I would have had a Ringo Starr, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Shoot. I said, uh, no, nah, I'd be very, very valuable. I said, no, I did. I gave it to him, though, you know. <laughs> oh, no way. That is great. Yeah. That's a true story. Oh, that's so funny. I met so many, many artists, you know, so in my in my traveling. and. I bet. Were you, um, let me ask you kind of a hard question. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but those were pretty heady days. Was there ever any kind of a drug problem or um, did things ever get out of control in a bad way? No, no, not time? no, not with me. Of course I did some, the magnificent 70s, you know, that was, yeah. the, that was the drug era, you know, so. Yeah. And actually, you know, you know when I recorded Rock Your Babe at the time, you know, Miami, I was to do uh, token uh, uh, marijuana. Sure. You know, so, uh, yeah, I did some drugs at the time. I, I admit that. Yeah. I didn't know if it, that was, it sounds that like was it never the, became a problem. You know, that's, uh, you know, that was the thing, you know, and, uh, yeah. Okay. And I uh, tried a little cocaine one time, you know, but no, that, I didn't like that, so. Good, good. Okay. Sounds like yep, you kept yep, yourself no. together pretty well. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I've never, no, 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 no. Okay, that's good fine. for you, good for you. Um, at the yeah. height of and Rocky, the, oh, go ahead. And, and besides that, my, my father was a policeman. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, you got to watch yourself then, don't you? And that's what I was doing. I went, I, that's what I did when I got a neighbor to. I, I went to the uh, went to Palm Beach Junior College on my Giavio, and I was studying criminology. Oh, okay. And okay. And, uh, and I recorded like a baby. And I said, shoot, uh, it's my money saying it. Then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is better. So, uh, I sh I showed my career as an entertainer instead. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Um, now let me ask you the uh, uh, the reverse of that. And at the peak of all of this, rock your baby fame and everything. I mean, were you rich? Were you drive buying nice cars? Did you get your mom buy your mom a house? Was it ever like that, or was it not no, quite uh, that? No, I day? I uh, took over the mortgage from my mom's house. Okay. She had a mortgage on outstanding mortgage. I only bought me a Corvette at the time, and I bought uh, my house. Uh huh. But actually, I bought me a house before I recorded Rocket Baby off my GI Bill. But what I did was I wanted to add on to my house, so I bought the property around my house to build other things with it, you know, build on to it and everything. 
So that's what you did with your kind of your royalties or your success when you started getting flush with cash. I mean, these things don't last forever, but I when, know, don't last forever. But I had, a, you know, I was on the road a lot too, so I had a band I had to pay, you know, yeah, keep uh, yeah, up. Point. So, and at the time, you think you know the, the money would never stop. You know, yeah. would never stop because yeah. you working. And then I invested money in my ex-wife Gwen, you know, because she had a yeah. hit record. Yeah. At the time, because her hit record was actually supposed to be my hit record. And I'm up at the microphone to sing the song. And I said, I called her and said, no, I'm going to let you sing the song. I'm going to give the song to you. So you sing, so you sing the song. Like I tell you to sing the song, I give you a hit record. Because all your songs, you're always screaming and hollering your songs. You know, and they're great songs, but uh, yeah. sing the song. And she did it. And that song was called Rocket Ship. Yes. Doing this in the background. Rock, Is it really? Rock, and do it. That's me. <laughs> That's great. And That's actually, great. I I co-produced that song, but I didn't get credit for it. Oh really? Oh bummer. Yeah, I took that. I played for Steve Alamo. Hey Steve, you got one song. Said, okay. When they released it, they didn't put my name on it at all. I said, oh, okay. Man. Yeah. Okay. I see how this goes. Shoot. Okay. Well. um... George, this was fascinating. I knew that you had a story unlike anyone else's. Um, I mean, when you think back, what's been... I mean, you have to know. Everything that you have today is because of a fluke decision to have you sing this mm -hmm. one song, you know, 45 yeah. years ago. Yeah, but of course. But one of my greatest experiences was I go to uh, South Africa with my band. Really? Yes. And this, uh, you know, Nelson Mandela was still in jail. It was apartheid, 1976. And it was, it was the time they say, uh, hey, no water should go to, to South Africa, you know. Boy, I said, boy, yeah. I said, oh, I got fans there, you know. Why should I got to, yeah. no, don't go. And, of course, uh, I went because, uh, hey, I, had, I needed the money. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, people want you to stop now. I said, okay. 
Then I say, if you go, you get black ball. I say, if you go to South Africa, you get black ball from Mars. I said, well, if I get black ball, I get black ball then. Yeah. So I went there and playing for all the status there, and I played for an integrated audience. Really? The whole audience mixed together, sitting in the audience. That's beautiful. Sold out. Three nights. No way. Durban, Cape Town, Johannesburg. Yeah. Victoria, ah, it was unbelievable, and no one, no one came and arrested anybody. Good. You know, it was something about that song, so magical that nobody cared. Yeah. And yeah. everybody in the singing of the song, everybody dancing, everybody having a wonderful time, and they, they, they only gave me great reviews in the newspaper. It's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. Yes. What a life. What a life, you know. What music can do for people, you know, yeah. all this trouble and all this, uh, all this division, chaos, you know, unnecessary, you know, and yeah. and everybody really just want to be happy and make love and be happy. It's true. And take care of their family, you know. And speaking of which, how that's how the bottom you, line? It really is the bottom line. And uh, I was going to ask. I think you're about seventy five years old these days. How's your health? I'm seventy four. Yes, I'm healthy. Well, good. Good. You yeah, still able good. to perform no problem and travel? Everything's going okay? No, not for me at the moment. I'm not going to work. Good. <laughs> yeah, everything is good with me at the moment. You know, I you know, have some prostate problem, but that's all mm. taken care of. Okay. All good to go. Good. Okay. I'm so happy about that. I am happy too. That's great, George. Well, um, look, I, I, you know, thank you. I just... Uh, your music is so good, and uh, I'm, I knew that you would have a fascinating story, and I'm so grateful you told it to me. And I hope that everyone listening will go check out the Love album from 2016 and Twister oh, yeah. Love, the new single uh, from just a couple of months ago, from just uh, yeah. March. So there's new material out there. And, uh, yes, it is. Fascinating stuff. Thank you, George. Thank you yeah. for having me. You bet. There you have it, George McRae. Such a fascinating story. I want to close it out with this. This is actually the song that was the follow-up single to Rock Your Baby, I Can't Leave You Alone. Also a very good song, but just didn't capture the time like the other one did. It's unfortunate. Anyway, I want to mention, uh, George will be a part of the 2020 Ultimate Disco Cruise that's happening in February of next year. I'm going to put, there's a link in the show notes here if you want to know more about that. In fact, I think they're even, I think you can reserve a cabin today. I've never been on a cruise. I've always meant to go on one of these musical themed cruise cruises. I think it'd be fun. But uh, if that's your jam, then there's a link right in the show notes here that you can click on and look into it. In fact, we're going to stick with a little bit of disco because next week's guest is going to be affiliated with this cruise as well. She is one of the most recognizable well that's probably the wrong word one of the her voice is on some of the biggest hits of all time i may have just given it away but that's that's what we're talking about next week okay huge thanks as always to yan the mamakevich thank you buddy for everything that you do you know how to find us on facebook right now by now you can like our page you can send us a message on there or you can send us an email at the hustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at the hustle pod we have a lot of bonus material coming up in the next week or two, week or three, week or four, actually. Um, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to run later this week. There might even be more than one. 
But keep your eyes out for more episodes coming from us before next Tuesday. Okay? Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you then.